You're listening to Creative Paths with Contact, the podcast where we step off the beaten track to explore the ups and downs of being a creative. We're your hosts, Sam Cole and Laura Trova, and throughout this journey, people that inspire us will be letting us into their worlds to share their unique stories and experiences. Hello and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Creative Paths. For episode 11, we take a look stateside, joined by Mad Happy's co-founder, Payman Raff. Launched in 2017, apparel brand Mad Happy is on a mission to make the world a more optimistic place. Their bold, colourful pieces have been created not only to offer aesthetic flair, but to create and encourage conversations around mental health. Running parallel to Mad Happy is The Local Optimist, offering a spectrum of mental health resources and carefully created content and experiences. In this episode, we dig into the importance of shifting perspectives on mental health and what we can look forward to for the future of the brand. So I wanted to kick things off by looking at a time before you started Mad Happy as a brand and trying to get a better understanding of how you expressed yourself creatively before the brand was started up. So if if anything, what came before that point? Yeah, it's a good question and, and excited to be here. I, I think for me, I always knew that I wanted to create something, um, especially like you know, a company is, in my opinion, a, a big form of creativity. And I always was trying to figure out what, what that was for me. Sure. And so I think when I was younger, I was always super curious about all these different industries and what I could do within them or where I thought I saw opportunities. And so I think it's pretty funny as, you know, I'm super focused on the business side of what we do at Mad Happy, but I think that there's a lot of creativity in that. And then when we launched the brand, it, it allowed me to, you know, try new things because I didn't have that much past experience, that much baggage. And I think the creativity in the business side of things is something that's less talked about, but I think really helped me find my lane. And, and it was a growth experience of just trying things. Some of them failed and then just keep, keep building on it from there and just try to express that in different ways. Cool. That's really dope. So you, you touched on like the trial and error aspect of things, which I think is really important that people shed some light on that within the creative industries, because obviously a lot of the time we're seeing a final product, people think it's, you know, quite a clear cut, straightforward way to go. So in the build up to creating the brand, were there any sort of major setbacks that, you know, you didn't really see coming that when, when they came, you, you overcame them and then you can like look back on that and be like, right, this was a really key moment in the development of not only yourself, but the brand. Yeah. I mean, I think in any startup and really in any company, anytime you're trying to create something from scratch, there's going to be so many things that go wrong. And having that expectation, I believe is what's important and what allows you to eventually be able to build something that, that you love or that you feel like is making a big impact. For us, there was tons of those things early on, whether it was just trying to figure out how to work a, a supply chain that we had never built before, um, how to work with, you know, down to the detail of like the screen printers, you know, messing up a lot of our yeah. product, things like that, mm-hmm. like that you don't think, you know, all of these little things are going to go wrong, but they do. And I think that part of it, you just learn as you go, like, this is normal, things go wrong. We just got to like figure it out, figure it out. And I think on the outside, it looks all good, right? Like our pop-ups looked great, things of that sort. But there was so much that went into it, so many things that went wrong. And we were just trying to pick ourselves up, keep going, keep going, and then 
still today, you know, there's still so many things on, on the inside that we're trying to fix and get better at and, and do our best to externally have a great product. No, amazing. So within that whole process of, of the trial and error again, did you guys as a team, did you have any sort of mentors that you were working with that helped guide you through that process? Or was it all like completely self-led, like all of your hiccups and, you know, and successes, were they all completely like organic or were there people sort of helping you along the way? No, definitely. I think we, we were very fortunate to have so many people supporting in different ways. I think no success is really like done alone. And that's definitely true for us. I think like we were lucky to have four co-founders. So that was like a lot of bodies able to like move and work on stuff, which was super helpful, especially early on. But I think the support of, of different people who had done similar things in the past, whether it was manufacturing or retail or any of the things that we were trying to do, I think that early support from friends, from family, from friends of friends, that really allowed us to learn a little bit faster and not make every single mistake, right? We would still make a lot of the mistakes, but I think having that foresight helped us tremendously. And I don't believe that anyone can really do it alone. So, I think I'm, I'm definitely a proponent of uh, a lot of support as much as possible and asking a lot of questions. Totally. So, within the team, would you say everybody sort of brought different elements, like different backgrounds into, you know, in, in terms of like w what expertise people had available and how did those elements bounce off one another to make you creating a brand of successful venture? For sure. I, I think what was unique about us is that my brother, Noah, who's, you know, two years younger than me is leads all of our creative, all of our product alongside Mason, who's also a, a creative and, and works a lot on our mental health side. And so I think having them two more on that and myself and our fourth partner, Josh, on the business side allowed us to have different skill sets that we could all bring to the table. And I think it led to like less clashing because we were sort of in our own lanes. And, and I think that that's important. Not everyone is good at everything and it's better to like divide and conquer a bit. So that definitely helped us early on. Yeah, totally. Did you recognize any sort of issues or potential issues working with family and friends? Like, was there any, cause you know, a lot of people talk about bringing close relationships like that and business together can sometimes be a bit of like a tricky landscape to navigate. Did you ever find that or did it just make the whole thing smoother? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because it's, it's definitely not something I thought about before we started. Um, and, mm -hmm. and as you go, you of course go through a lot of ups and downs of, and challenging times in the business. And, and so that sometimes translates to the relationships. And I think it always takes work, any co-founder group, like it's just about constant work, communication on like, all of our relationships together. And I think working with my brother, I, I love it. Um, but obviously, we've also learned how to still be able to be brothers, even though we're, we're business partners, right? Still touching on that. Do you think there's a point where you can actively look and be like, okay, I can separate these two things? I think the reason I mentioned this is because this, this year in particular, I think it's been quite prominent in business and in creative industries in particular to have this sort of home and work separation you know with people like working from home and everything so you know I, I imagine the those relationships also come into that so what are the sort of boundaries that you have to set between you know a personal relationship business relationship and sort of avoiding bringing business too far into those personal relationships 
you know, I think that in terms of the separation between like work and home, and I think that made that was more made more clear, I guess, over the past year. I think when you work with, especially for me, that I could speak for myself when I work, you know, with my brother and like we work together a lot, um, even outside of work, it sometimes is hard to separate that out. And I think that we're working to create more of that separation and that's important to do. But it's also, we understand that it's not the easiest thing to do either, right? And like, you can't just force it. You know, we can't just go to dinner and say like, we're not talking about it. Because if we want to talk about it, we could talk about it. And and so, I think with time, hopefully we'll get better and better and and be able to separate it out more. But it's also like a living, breathing part of who we are right now, for better or worse, right? Like, we are trying to build something great. And so it, it has taken some of those sacrifices and, and, and we'll see. And, and we hope to obviously make it more balanced as we go. Yeah, of course. Within that as well, like, do you find that you guys are able to, with the other founders as well, sort of bounce around your inspirations more easily, like that time that you spend together, like, you know, things that you're just seeing in your day to day life? Like, and how do you br- bring that into the brand? How's that then translated into, you know, the creative elements of, of what you're putting out? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think spending time outside of the office together is, is super important and being able to like look bigger picture. Cause sometimes we're so focused inside of the office around like, what do we need to do today? What do we need to do today? And it doesn't allow you to detach a little bit and think longer term. So I think the process and practice of being able to do that and being more conscious about setting time to do that mm-hmm. has been something we've been doing as, as the brand has grown. So we're definitely trying to be proactive about that. Right. In the way that you speak about the about the brand and like how you work with your team, it's clearly very conscious thought. You know, it's all the the way you're perceiving things, and I I feel like it, it ties into the focus on mental health that you guys have as a brand, which is obviously a, a big part of of what you do. So I wanted to try and get like an understanding of what headspace you personally were in like during the conception of the brand and sort of how that changed as you're working up to like launching the brand and you know did did your personal headspace at the time or throughout that process sort of influence the way things were going or you know did you have to make any changes to sort of fit your personal life and so on it's a great question so i think the the inspiration behind the brand actually came from my partner Mason, who growing up had struggled a lot with his mental health. And mm-hmm. we actually just released the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And it's been exciting to be able to share some of those stories and have some of these conversations. And and I think for him, you know, he had had a lot of struggles growing up and he had thought of this word mad happy as sort of a signal to be optimistic despite the challenges and the ups and downs that we all face in life. And so I think when he brought that concept originally to my brother Noah, it was something that he could really relate with because to be honest and myself as well, we've all dealt with things that, you know, some, some people on a relative basis, you could say have had it harder or easier, but I think the feelings are the same, right? Like if you're really sad about getting dumped by your girlfriend, or I'm really sad about a death of a family member, those feelings are the same. You could say that maybe mine is worse on a relative basis, but I think we all feel the same emotions. And so for me at the time, I was actually working in New York and investment banking, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had been home for a bit and it was sort of this decisive moment that I chose to like try this mad happy thing. And of course, very fortunate that I did, but I think as we've grown, it's 
it's important to note that like, yes, we're trying to create this big impact in the mental health space, make it cool to talk about mental health, make it okay, accessible, easy for people to start the conversation. But we're still building a startup and there are challenges there and there are sacrifices we're making to do that. And and so, if I were to sit here and say like, everything is balanced in my life or in all of our employees' lives, like like we're trying to get it to that place. We're trying to improve. We're trying to put in the right practices, mm-hmm. but we're always a work in progress as a company, as, as individuals, as humans. So I think that that's how it it's progressed over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that you can sort of share that transparency on the fact that things can't always be balanced. I think it's really important that those are the sort of genuine conversations that we're having and keeping it super authentic because obviously, you know, I think for, for men in particular, mental health is a very tricky topic to, to try and discuss, especially on an open platform. For sure. And that's the thing, actually, like, it, it's funny. So I mentioned the podcast we launched and it's my hosted by myself and Mason, like two guys talking about mental health, which is kind of rare still for, for some weird mm. reason. But, but yeah. we've, we've noticed that we've had such a harder time getting male guests on. And, and it's been interesting to, to see because, you know, you hear it, but then in practice, actually seeing like, wow, it's like a lot tougher ha- has been interesting. And it's something that we expect to change over time. And hopefully the things we're doing, the things that you guys are doing will continue to help pave that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I for one really hope that that's the way things are going to go. I think there's still a lot of barriers that need to be broken down. From your perspective and like, you know, with, with running the brand, is there, is there anything that you guys have noticed as like particular obstacles when it comes to trying to get people to communicate about mental health and any like key areas that you think really need change to sort of speed the process up a little bit, like really sort of get people's drive to be like, look, okay, this, this has happened to me. I want to share this story to better help others like me. Yeah. I think. I think the initial thing for us is like right now, mental health is viewed in only like the dark side of the spectrum, right? Yeah, Whereas sure. it's actually a full spectrum, right? So mm-hmm. if we start thinking about mental health as a full spectrum of when you're feeling great and you're really happy or excited to the days in between that you're just feeling whatever to the days that you're not feeling good. If we're able to talk about it more like that, then I could be like, Sam, like I had a fucking great day yesterday. And that's talking about mental health too. And so, switching up the mental health conversation in that way, just like you tell me you're going to the gym, I could tell you I'm going to therapy. I think that's one step that we could take to speed up that conversation, right? Because if it's only about us talking about when we're not feeling good, which is important to do, but if it's only about that conversation, it's hard for it to progress because it's like, oh my God, I, you know, I've heard this before, I've heard this before. So, that's what we're trying to do. And we're also just trying to make it easier for people to talk about daily, right? So we have the local optimist, which is sort of our mental health hub. And, and we're, we're trying to build a lot of easier ways for people to interact. So we have this like non-crisis support line where if you feel like you can't talk to anyone about it yet, okay, start the combo with us, right? It's just about that first combo and see where you want to go from there, right? And, and I, I think that's going to become more and more accessible. More and more people are going to be talking about it. And hopefully eventually it'll be part of these like schools curriculums, like in elementary school, middle school, high school, like, right? Like it's like we do physical activity in school. Um, and so we should do that mental stuff as well. Yeah. I think it's really great that you, that you touched on the fact that it's a, there is a spectrum. I think, I mean, I've, I've definitely never heard it discussed in that way because 
you know, it's always we, we wait until we're on the super dark end of things and that's when the discussions happen. We sort of just completely neglect that other end. On that as well, I mean, I want to, you to dive in a little bit into how Mad Happy translated into the local optimist and, you know, sort of can one be without the other, you know, go yeah. back to that balancing again. For sure. I think, you know, I think for us, like very early on, you could say from the day Mad Happy was born, it had this very strong mental health message in it, right? This message of optimism. And we saw that anytime we would do, whether it was like a small panel on mental health in one of our pop-ups or talk about it through our product, like people really loved it and wanted a place to do that more, right? And so for us, like we took a lot of inspiration from brands like Patagonia that have done so much for sustainability over the long history of their brands. And for it's been like, how do we continue to progress, right? Every day or every year, add more to our mental health offering. And so with Local Optimist launching in early 2020, it was sort of a perfect time right before the pandemic of this is our hub for mental health, right? Like, and it's not going to be for everyone, right? Most people probably buy the brand because they like the messaging, they like the vibe, that that type of thing. But I do think that the local optimist is this more wide net, more accessible, free way for people to be able to like learn about mental health and 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 hopefully have ways that they can then take the next step. And so for us, it's like, how do we continue to add to that offering over time? And so most recently, that's been with the local optimist hotline that we launched late last year, and then the podcast that just launched. So with you open up those new avenues, have you found that sort of the original audience that you had when you launched the brand do you think that you've seen them sort of open themselves up a little bit more like has the audience of the brand become more of a community now that they have those sort of resources available and alternate outlets from yourselves yeah i think so i mean i think that there's there's been a few interesting things like there there are definitely now communities forming within local optimists as well that may not necessarily have engaged with Mad Happy the brand before, right? And and I think vice versa as well, right? Mad Happy is this now more well-known brand and, and people are supporting it. And then some of those people are like, oh, wow, this local optimist thing is is pretty cool. Let me check it out, right? And And the idea is for them to both feed off of each other. And if they both have specific audiences that grow within them, that that's totally fine as well, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's that's great. I think as well, like now me having a better overview based on what you've said as well. It looks almost as if the two work as that balance because with the local optimist, you've got access to resources and, you know, you can sort of get, there's like, there's opportunities for help there and for conversation. And then obviously the, the brand can be more aesthetic and people can, you know, buy into that more, but you've got the same messaging across the two that connects them. I think it's a really nice, like well-rounded sort of 360 that you, that you have there. That just, you know, makes mental health a more accessible conversation for a, a way bigger audience. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. Thank you. No, for sure, man. So you you spoke about the podcast that re- recently launched. Um, it'd be good to sort of hear more about what your plans are with the podcast going forward. Like, you know, what, how are you going to continue driving the conversations that you're having on there? What sort of uh, guests do you want to bring on? And just, you know, what, what are your goals when getting people to share stories with yourselves in like a, in an open way? Yeah. I think for us, we, we still sort of saw that like the, you know, the podcast space 
started to have more mental health conversation, but not really uh, in the way that we thought we could do it. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's been about starting with these conversations, whether it's with some celebrities or professionals in the space or people in the mindfulness space and, and really just try to have honest combos that talk about their life experience and hopefully has some takeaways for our audience and anyone listening. And I think what we realized is like the, the podcast format, especially when you're talking about bringing celebrities on, mm -hmm. can help open up that conversation to such a wider audience. Totally and great. that's really our goal, right? And it's like someone will probably listen to that and then hopefully some of those people then end up on Local Optimist and they're able to like learn more, right? Because now this person was talking about it. So, it more validates the topic for them. And so, that's been our goal, right? To, to be able to do that. And we've launched three episodes so far, but have about 10 or so recorded. So we've been super excited about it and hope it, it can make a big impact over time. Oh, amazing. It's nice to see that you're, you're trying to create as many different doors for people to come into like a, you know, like a safe space and to sort of just dive into what you have available for them. Cause obviously we, you know, we all, we all digest things in a different way and we're looking for different mediums to try and get involved in the conversation. So as, as well, that's, it's really cool to see. Back to, to Mad Happy, if we're just talking about the brand, sort of what's in like the short term, long term plans uh, for the brand? Is there anything happening in terms of like collaboration or just like new drops, yeah. uh, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, I think for us, we feel like it's still super early, right? Like we're on this like larger mission to create a more optimistic world. And a lot of the way we're doing that is through this mental health conversation we're opening up, but Really, it's still like the early, early days for what we're trying to do as a brand on the apparel side, right? A lot of new categories coming on the non-apparel side. We released our first mental health product, the mental health journal in May, and that was amazing. So a lot more to come there. And then really getting back into the retail side. So we grew up as a brand doing a lot of pop-ups, but mm -hmm. getting more on the permanent side and having these communities, areas for people to come and and engage with the brand in real life, do more mental health programming. Um, and then beyond that, you know, a lot of this content stuff that we just talked about, keeping that coming and, and, and trying to improve and trying to provide content that isn't necessarily viral, but can really impact specific people in a large way. Right. And, and so that's what we've been trying to do on the mental health content side of things. And, and hopefully we can continue that with some exciting stuff we have coming. Oh, sick. Just as a brand now, like, have you, have you come across any like particular difficulties connecting with your international audience? Like as a result of everything that's been going on in the past year or so, not, not just on like a logistical front when it comes to, you know, shipping and stuff like that, but just in terms of engagement, cause I think things have been, I mean, we've all been in sort of the same space, but country to country, things have been very different. Everyone's been in like a very different situation. So is, has there been any sort of, issues that have that have risen like throughout your community that you've that you've noticed have been hard to sort of you know as a as a u.s based brand we we never really thought about the brand as like a u.s only brand and we've been very fortunate to have larger and larger audiences building around the world and i think it's because the name ad happy is pretty widely understood the message is pretty widely understood because it's like really a human element to it and so i think for us yeah it's been tough because we had a lot of cool international things planned and and they got pushed out a bit and and we're excited to really dive into that and give give attention to these different audiences that are growing outside of 
you know, our home base here. So we're, we're really pumped on it. Yeah. That's really exciting. It'll be, it'll be good to, to see what you can sort of do. Like once, once everything's properly open and we can like travel around again, I think we've all been sort of missing that, especially in like the fashion and apparel space. Like that's something that's been really missing, you know, it's that community and like connectivity in, in real life. Definitely sure. a big part that's missing. So we have these three quick questions that we sort of round off on with, with all our guests. And the first of those is what's one dream collaboration and why? And this could be for yourself personally or like for the brand or both. Yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, I think for us, like we, we've actually <laughs> tried to do our best to not think of like a dream collaboration. I mean, I think, I think personally for myself, it's like, we just want to make as big of an impact as possible. I think some cool things that we're trying to do on the individual collaborations, you know, with people, I think is a unique, unique thing that we're excited about trying for the first time, because I think now more than ever, individuals have as much influence, as much power as maybe some of the brands of the past. So that's something that we'll, we'll be testing and, and, and are excited about launching. Nice. That's really powerful. I like that. The second question is one piece of advice that you'd offer either to yourself or to like a, a young creative which can be, you know, anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially when you're younger, I think, you know, everyone comes from different circumstances, but the younger you are, like the less risk, in my opinion, there is to, to trying to do what it is that, that you dream of doing. And, and it doesn't really matter if you fail. I think the learning from trying something new, trying to start something far outweighs and any other experience you could get during that time. And again, there is so much time. You have to be patient, right? If you're 18, you know, you have 60, 70, 80 years, right? And so I think you just got to be thinking long-term in that way. And if you really believe in what you want to do, then keep trying it in different ways and, and something will pick up for sure. Definitely. I can't agree more with that one. And the the final question is one goal that you have set for yourself. And again, this could also be like for the brand. This can be short term, long term. Totally. Yeah, I think for myself, like the continuing to prioritize like my mental health. I mean, I think I actually officially started therapy this January. So I've been going every week since January and there wasn't anything necessarily going wrong in my life, I would say when I started, but it it has really allowed me to like see like that that's not what therapy is about. It's not only about when you're struggling. It's also about like learning more about yourself, why you do certain things, how you can actually change by like taking a look at yourself from a different point of view and having someone that could facilitate that convo can allow you to like detach from the day-to-day grind that you're working on um, has been amazing. And so continuing to do that and, and figure out other practices, whether it's more time away from my phone, more time in nature, things of that sort that can really, you know, help me feel feel better more often and 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 then when i do have those down times have better tools to handle them i think that that's what uh is a big goal for me right now and i think that that'll translate to everything else in my life no for sure i'm really glad that you uh you brought up that point about therapy and it not needing to be when something's uh particularly wrong i think that's something that's it's it's a very like a, an issue over here i would say like culturally that people think 
like it's still a bit taboo sometimes. Like if you go into therapy, something's super wrong. So I think it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really good that you that you made that point. I think it's important for people to realise that, and I think that will really sort of push the needle forward once we can all get in that mindset of thinking, no, this is to better myself, regardless of what's going on in my life. So yeah, I really appreciate that one. Totally, totally awesome, man. Thank you so much, and for the for the great advice. And for, you know, letting us know more about Mad Happy and about yourself and the local optimists. I think everything that you guys are doing is, is really amazing. And, you know, it's, you're having a really big impact now, but I think there's some really great things to come. And I appreciate you just letting us into that journey a bit more. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Sam. And of course, you guys keep up the great work as well. And thank you. Um, this was a great conversation. You can shop the latest products from Mad Happy via their online store at madhappy.com. To explore their wide offering of mental health resources and listen to their podcast, head over to localoptimist.com. At Contact, we're building a platform that helps creative talent get more work and makes it easier for those looking for creative talent to find great people to work with. Our current product caters exclusively to models, but over the next year or so, we're expanding out to let anybody who works in the creative industries, such as photographers, directors, makeup artists, and more, to get booked through Contact. You can find and book talent and visit our blog backstage online at contact.xyz. To stay up to date with everything happening at Contact, follow us on Instagram at contact.xyz and contact.models, on TikTok at contact.xyz, and on Twitter at contact underscore XYZ.